Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. Okay, today, um, if, uh, if, we, if we can really get a hold of, of some of the truths that I, I want to share with you today, it's probably going to spill over into uh, next week anyway, uh, maybe beyond that, but um, we've been talking about supernatural acceleration, how God can work how God will work to bring us through situations. It may seem like we're at standstill, we get stuck, not making any progress in life. You wonder what's going on. We talked about all the different aspects of getting, getting rid of some of those things that are blocking us, holding us back, and about how God supernaturally will cause us to move forward. He wants us to progress. It's all about moving forward in Him. It's about fulfilling His will and purpose. And there are times... Uh, that when you're waiting, that it's not really wasted time. You understand that also, that there are times when it's time of growth. Uh, it's a time when God's doing some things in your life. It's a time when he's working circumstances around you to bring it to, to exactly the right time for something to happen. So we trust God in that, but there's just sometimes it just, boom, and suddenly God will begin to do things in your life and break through, and, and we always enjoy that. Uh, I mean, that's a great time of blessing. And out of that, we saw how God wants to supernaturally work through his church. Now, I want to ask a question. Who is or who are the church? I'm not sure what's the, you know, the correct way to say that. But who's the church this morning? Yes, we are. Uh, all those who have received Christ as Savior that are followers of Christ, been born again, are members of his church. Uh, we are... We are placed in the body of Christ, which is one term used for the church. He's the head of the body, the body of Christ. We are the members of that body. We all have gifts. We all have responsibilities. Beautiful picture of the church. And how God will, uh, God will work in his church to do wonderful things in, in the earth. And he wants us to learn how we're to work together as family, how we're to share and minister together as family. We looked at family last week. And... Uh, Today, uh, I, I, want to, I want to move into something that is going to really need everyone's attention and everyone's focus if you really want to get a hold of this. And it's not that it's anything new because I've, I've even taught a series around this particular topic. But as I pray and as I study and as I, I see uh, the Lord revealing things to me and revealing things to His church and through various leaders and ministers and teachers, that God wants us to, uh, he wants us to recapture the significance and meaning of the kingdom of God and how he has chosen to advance his kingdom in this earth. And we'll talk about this more later, but one of the things I think that's important for us to see is that if we miss this, if we miss this, then we miss out on so much that God wants us to know and so much that God wants us to have and experience and to, to share with others. And, and I think no doubt there have been Christians that have, that have given their life to Christ, they've surrendered their life, they want to live for the Lord, and, and that's where they are, and that's wonderful, that's where it all starts. 
But I have no doubt that many people got there and basically it was just hang on or live out life or do the best you can until you die and go to heaven. But in the process of talking about the kingdom of God, we're going to talk about that God uh, has so much for us and that when Jesus died on the cross, that salvation is so much more than what we realize. And maybe even if we realize it, maybe if and say, oh yeah, I know that's true. I have an idea that there's a difference between what we know here and believe is possible. There's a difference between that and what we're seeing in our lives. You think? And so let's look at that and let's let God speak to us over this week, next week anyway, as we talk about advancing the kingdom of God. And let's first of all, just look at the word kingdom. Now, what do we mean by the word kingdom? Basically, it's, uh, it's two words, king, domain. So it's talking about the king or ruler and the domain is the territory or area over which he rules. So when we say kingdom, we're talking about this is where the ruler leads or this is where the king rules. Now, when we use the term kingdom of God, it's essentially the same. When we look at the scripture, it's used essentially the same as the word kingdom of heaven. So don't let it confuse you. There may be some minor differences at specific, in specific uh, instances in the scripture where the kingdom of heaven is used to refer more to what we call the throne of God or, or where God resides. Don't we go, God's everywhere, he's omnipresent. So, but we understand that's the headquarters, okay? We say kingdom of heaven. But in its essence, many times, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven is used interchangeably. So when we look at the words kingdom of God, what are we talking about? We're not talking about a particular place. We're not talking about a particular planet. But when we look at the kingdom of God, we're talking about the sphere, uh, uh, the place. Uh, by place, I'm saying we're talking about the rule and authority of God. When you say kingdom of God, we're looking at wherever the rule and authority of God is, is practiced, is followed, then that is, that is where he demonstrates his kingdom. Because you see, the kingdom comes through Jesus Christ. And when Jesus came, he came proclaiming the kingdom and saying that the kingdom is near you. And, uh, and so we're going to get into more and more as times go on. But let's just walk through the basics here, some things I think that will get us grounded back into this. And I don't want to share just information because I know that can be boring and you'll wonder what time, you know, we're going to be through and lunchtime's going to be and all of that. But just be patient and listen to this because this is important for you to get in order for us to move forward. And trust me, trust me, there'll be some new things out of this that the Lord will show you that will help you move to a new level in your life. That'll help you discover things that you have as a Christian and maybe you even thought and believed you had them, but you've never seen them or they've never been demonstrated in your life. And that's what we're after. That's what we're looking for. Uh, when we talk about the kingdom of God, let's look at uh, a New Testament verse to begin with. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew 6, 33. New King James Version. This is, these are the words of Jesus. He's speaking to his followers there. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Now, in the Amplified Bible, it's, it's a little more wordy there, but it's good. It says, but first and most importantly, seek or aim at or strive after his kingdom, his righteousness, his way of doing and his way of being right. 
the attitude and the character of God. And all these things will be given to you also. Now, when he says all those things, that's referring back to the few verses before that. And, and, and in those few verses, he's saying, there's no need for you to get all uptight and, and agonize over or worry about uh, what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear or your houses, where you're going to live. He says, you don't get caught up in, in the word. Now, non-believers, pagans do that, but you don't do that. You don't do that. When you seek first the kingdom of God, when you seek first His way, when you seek His authority in your life, when you desire more than anything else to follow His rule, His leading, His way, which is His kingdom, then He says if you'll do that, then all those other things that you need or even things you want, if it's in His will, will be yours. Now, you know, I know we've, and we've quoted and read that verse for years, most of us as believers. But I don't think we see the massiveness of it. That how the promise has been given here and Jesus says, if you'll put the kingdom of God first, if you'll learn what that really means in your life, if you'll learn how to do that seven days a week, if you'll learn how to do that when you're making decisions, if you'll learn how to do that in your relationship with others, if you'll learn how to do that when you're praying, then you'll understand that as you do that and God's rule is established in your life, then it will produce something magnificent in your life. You won't have to worry about all these other things because then you will see God's abundance because God's abundance is in His kingdom. Great place for an amen right there. Not a flimsy one. Great place for an amen right there. Amen. Yes. Don't get scared. Now, I want to look at four, four important facts about the kingdom of God. I know you were so mesmerized by what I was saying. You, get, you know, I, I <laughs> Well, I have people, I believe that. I have people say, I was listening so closely to what you said, I forgot to say amen. Well, all right. Okay, that's, that's a good thing. That's all right. But if you get excited in the Lord and you agree because amen means so be it. Yes, 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 amen, so be it. I agree. Then you won't scare me if you do that. It'll be great. Now, Let's look at let's look at four facts. So as we go through these, you'll know how much longer I have to speak because there's four things we're going to talk about this morning. Number one, we are uh, we're looking at kingdom as God's original plan or His ultimate intent. God's original plan. Kingdom is God's original plan. It's His ultimate intent. I, it, you know, things may have got messed up as far as what happened in the Garden of Eden, but I'm telling you, God's ultimate plan will come to pass. He will establish His kingdom on earth. And there will be a reign where Jesus rules for a thousand years, and there will be new heavens and new earth. So the, ultimately, His plan is going to happen. You look, God never fails. Amen. God's original plan in creation was to extend his heavenly kingdom here on earth, from heaven to earth. Now, we say when God created the earth and then he created mankind, then God did it because, I've heard people say, God did it was because he was lonely. Not true. Not true. The, uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is no loneliness there. It's complete. Then there's some that say, 
Well, there was just something missing. Not true. In him there is perfection and completion. In God, there's nothing lacking in any way. He didn't create the earth because he had to. He didn't create mankind because he had to. He created that as a part of his plan because he wanted to. It was his desire. It was his plan. And God's purpose was to establish a family. Hear me now. God's purpose was to establish a family, not servants. His purpose was to have a kingdom of sons and daughters, not subjects. Did you know that the kingdom of God is the only kingdom where all the citizens are children of the kingdom? (laughs) That ought to put a smile on our face. Uh, This kingdom of God that we can live in is the only kingdom where all the citizens are children of the king. Not just subjects, not just like. Now, he created man in his own image. And through man, through mankind, his kingdom, his rule, his authority, his culture, his blessings would be established and advanced throughout the earth so that his kingdom come to earth, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's plan. And it's a good one. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 through 28. Amplified Bible says, Then God said, Let us, that's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Trinity, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and over the entire earth and over everything that creeps and crawls on earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness of God, he created him. Male and female, may I repeat that? Male and female, he created them. And they knew which was which. And really people still do. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, granting them certain authority and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subjugate it or put it under your power and rule over, dominate, reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and everything that moves upon the earth. You see, human beings were created to exercise dominion over the earth, authority over the earth. They exercise, man exercised his authority under the authority of God the creator. That's how it was designed to be. God commissioned it. That's why he said, you take dominion. Here, I've created you for this purpose You take over. Now, I'm still the owner, but you take over. Take dominion. What does dominion mean? To take dominion. It means to govern. It means to rule. It means to control. It means to manage, to lead. Take authority over the earth and all the... It doesn't say take authority over one another. It says take authority over the earth, all its creatures. Then we come to Genesis chapter 2, where, uh, beginning verse 16, God told Adam... And this is a kind of paraphrase. God told Adam, he said, as long as you obey me and you, do, and you don't eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge uh, of good and evil that's at the center of the garden, then you can manage this planet all you want as long as you want. It's yours. You will see and experience all of my kingdom. You'll experience kingdom culture, the blessings of, of, of the kingdom be heaven on earth.
you know, most everybody's thought it from time to time. You know, I, I just don't understand. I just don't understand when God created everything perfect and creates man and woman there in the beautiful Garden of Eden. Everything is magnificent. They have a, 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 such a fellowship with, with the, the Almighty God. It's just an intimate relationship. Have everything. They don't have to toil. I think they have purpose there. They don't just sit around, but they, 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 they don't toil. There's, the curse is not upon the place. Everything is good. Everything, everything is good. Perfect place, perfect situation, because that was a picture of his kingdom. That's what it's supposed to be, his kingdom. Ideally, that's what it's supposed to be. He said, all right, it's, everything's perfect, everything's good, everything is moving according to plan, created man, it's not good that man should be alone, takes from man, creates woman, and so there God's creation is there, and he says, be fruitful, multiply, and take dominion over the earth. That's where we are. He says, though, that this is conditional. All of this will happen, but it's conditional. I have placed a tree, and people said, why in the world did God have to do that? I mean, why? Everything's going, why did it have to be a tree? And on top of that, where was that tree? It was smack dab in the middle where you had to walk by over, you know, you know it makes it more difficult to resist temptation if you don't have to look at it real often. But this was right here, right in the center, because it was, it, was, it was important. Do you know that when God created man, he created man in his own image, right? Which creating man in his own image may, mean, meant that man had a, a, abilities and qualities that were godlike, and one of those was the ability to make decisions, the ability to choose. If he was going to govern, you cannot govern effectively unless you have the authority to make decisions. And since he was in charge, make decisions. So he, all of us, are given freedom to choose. Free will, we call it. And so man and woman created with, with free will. They could either do what God said and not partake of the fruit of that tree and, and, uh, and uh, the knowledge of good and evil or they could disobey God and, and do that. They had a choice. You see, if God had put that tree there and said, don't partake of it, and said, but that's no problem because I won't allow you to take up, partake of it. You don't, you don't have a choice in the matter. Be meaningless. You know, it, it's meaningless. God wanted someone that would respond to him as his son, as, as his child. He wanted loyalty. He, you cannot have a real relationship unless you have that. You have to have that kind of relationship. Uh, without it, it's all a farce. It's just like uh, having an election in some countries where they say, yes, we have freedom of choice. We're going to have an election. By the way, there's only one person running. That's a farce. God gave man the ability to say yes to him or say no to him. And you know, that's still true. And we, we know that there's some symbolism in there. and we don't, There's no needing for us to try to get into the depth of the meaning of the tree of knowledge, good and evil today. But in essence, we could say when, uh, 
when that was put there, that was put there for a reason. And they were given the ability to do what God wanted them to do, but they had the choice as to whether they did it or not. Very, very important. And God says, you can rule here, you can reign as long as you keep my word, as long as you obey me, as long as you follow my authority, my rulership. Because you see, in the beginning, God gave us, God gave man a management contract, a lease agreement of sorts. Man was ruler, but God was honor. And we're to give to God the honor, the creator, an accounting of what we do with what we have under our management. God chose from the very beginning, now get this, God chose from the very beginning to exercise his kingly authority on earth through human representatives to rule the earth in his name. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, the earth is the Lord's. He's the owner, creator. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. He owns all the earth, but he gave it to us to manage under a lease agreement. I mean, that's, that's, and that's it. It all belongs to him. But because we see that in Psalm 115, 16, it says, the highest heavens belongs to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. Now, one of those verses says that everything belongs to God. The heavens, the earth, everything belongs to him. Then this other verse says that the heavens belong to God, but the earth he gave to man. That's a contradiction in the Bible. No, it's not. No, no, it's not. He's still the creator. He's still the owner of the earth. But he gave the earth to man because man has a purpose and a role to play. And he's been given authority in the way to bring heaven to earth and see the kingdom of God expanded throughout all the earth to experience his blessings. And I mean, that's what God desired. He created a place for increase. You know, God's ever a place of increase. There's, there's, there's no stagnancy when it comes to God. So number one, the kingdom is God's purpose, his ultimate intention. Secondly, it was a beautiful and perfect kingdom, but unfortunately the kingdom was lost because Adam and Eve did not follow the Lord's rule or his instructions concerning the tree of knowledge of good and evil that was there because the serpent came to them or Satan came to them, and we won't get into the form of the serpent at that time, or serpent at that time, but the enemy came, first of all, to Eve, as we know the account there, and tempted her. And he used two things, in temp two primary things in tempting her. Well, there were actually three aspects of it, but there's two things that happened to her. When he tempted her, he caused her to, to be deceived as to who she was. And that happens to Christians today, you forget who you are. As a believer, you forget who you are. And when you forget who you are in Christ, it's not a good thing. You're probably going to uh, lack in some areas. You're probably going to miss some things. But he caused her to be deceived as who she was because here's what, he, here's what Satan said. He says, um, she said, you know, God said, if we eat of that, you'll die. And the serpent says, you won't die. 
other words, he says, God lied to you. So the two things is, first of all, he caused her to doubt God and who God is. Second of all, he caused her to doubt herself and who she was. Those two things he still uses. And when that happened, she, she succumbed to the temptation. And she, was, she, was, she saw that it was good to eat. And, she saw, and there was the pride of life. There were so many things. Her eyes were open, but it wasn't a good thing. You see, she and Adam were created in God's image and power and authority in the earthly realm. And they already mirrored God in the heavenly realm. But because they chose to disobey God, they lost it all. And they came under the curse that was then passed on to mankind. Generation after generation with us. In Romans chapter 5 verse 12, the Bible says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. You see, she was deceived by the serpent, disobeyed God. And then what did she do? Kind of we picture it. She handed the fruit to Adam and said, here, eat. So she was deceived and all that, but it seems as if Adam, being the male through this, is the one held responsible, accountable, the authority figure there. And he made a decision. He chose it does, I, I, we don't know whether he heard what the serpent said or not. He was with her, close enough for her to offer the fruit. We don't, we don't know all those things. It's no need to conjecture about it. But he willingly partook of that by his own will. After knowing what God had told him, he did that. And as a result of that, and of course you know the result, shame comes upon them, separation from God and they're ridiculously trying to hide from that because they no longer have that intimate relationship with the Lord that they once had. They know something's missing, something's wrong, something's broken. It's not the same. And of course, we get the picture of the Lord saying, you know, Adam, where are you? You know, that God's reaching out to him. God's always the one who's reaching. Where are you? God had not lost Adam. Adam was lost, but God hadn't lost him. And then, of course, then comes the next step. When, when, when we get found out, the very next thing usually comes up is excuses. What happened to you, Adam? Well, God, that woman you gave me, do you know what she did? They blamed, he blamed his wife. They blamed the devil. They blamed God. But the one really to blame, they were to blame. They made the decision. And they lost the kingdom. They forfeited, they forfeited God's plan. His very best. It, we call it the fall of man. The great fall. Picture in the New Testament, is, as I said in Romans 5, 12, Adam's sin and sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. Death spread to everyone because of sin. For everyone is sin. And out of that came spiritual separation, judgment, curse. Which brings me to point three. Thank God we don't stop there. Hallelujah. We wouldn't be right here right now if we stopped there. Number three, we look at kingdom reclaimed. Kingdom reclaimed. It says, man is separated from God. Curse has come upon him, upon the world, upon the earth. Spiritual separation, judgment. Lost. But then let me insert two little words there. All this has happened 
but God. I'm so thankful for those moments when you look around and all this junk is happening, all these things are going on, and you can say, you know, I know that's what's happening right now. I know that's what I've been dealing with, and I know that, that, would, that some people would say that, that, uh, that it's too far gone. Some people say that, that, that it's a failure. Some people would, uh, you're just never going to be able to work through these things. There's no way. People just continue to be ready to tell you, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way. But there is a way because you can always say, oh, that may be the way it looks. That may be what you see going on right now. But God, don't ever leave that part out when you're facing a problem because no matter what that is, you've got a God who's bigger. But God, God had already designed a way for the kingdom to be restored and reclaimed. He'd already done that. Amazing. <clears throat> It was the redemptive work of God. <clears throat> In reclaiming the kingdom, and get this, the goal is to recover and reestablish the kingdom of heaven on earth and to reinstate mankind as its kingly representative. You, you know, hang in, hang in there with me. We've just got a little bit more to walk through here because we're building something here. This is not a three-point fluff message where you can go good feeling about it. it was really neat, the three little things he shared with us. This is not, well, we've got all the notes we're taking home with us. It was so nice to come and hear that message. This goes beyond that. We're talking about life-changing truths that have meat. It has meat in it for you to eat, for you to take, and for you to live by. And for most of you, you're beyond that shallow level anyway where you've got to just kind of be nursed along or someone to pat you on the back every Sunday, although we all like to be encouraged. But we're, we're about learning some things that will work in our lives. And God said, okay, man sinned, everything has gone wrong. Satan has become the prince of the power of the earth. You see, man surrendered, he surrendered this to the serpent. Now he was the one in charge. Even though God was so, now he was a prince of the power of the air. Now they were more submitted unto the authority of darkness than they were to the authority of God. But God, but God had a way out. And his goal was to recover and reestablish the kingdom of heaven on earth and to reinstate, put man back into the original purpose God designed it for, and that was to be his kingly representative here on earth. Now, how was he going to do that? How was he going to do that? Well, we see the promise of it from Genesis 3.15. He says, I'm, there's, there's a way. There's a way that I'm going to bring everything. I'm going to restore this. I'm going to restore it. He started right after the fall. He started in Genesis 3.15 when he gave the first prophecy of the coming of the Messiah King, Jesus Christ. Where? To Eve. He said, you know, and to the serpent, he expressed that there would be one born, the seed that would be born. And out of that seed, speaking to the servant, you will bruise his heel, but that seed will bruise your head or take over your authority. Head's the word for authority. That's what Jesus did. There on the cross, his bruise, his heel was bruised, if you will. But he defeated Satan, took away his authority. 
So the promise was made of that all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Then what do you see? If you were to go through the Old Testament, you're going to see over and over and over and over again. This is what you're going to see. They, in, in, in other words, in the Old Testament, the word promise is used over and over again because there's significance about promise. Because as you read through the Old Testament, that's what you're seeing. Is you're seeing God's promise brought about. You, it, over and over again, you see it. God's promise. He made it to Abraham. He made it to all of his descendants. He, the king's coming. I'm sending a king. I'm sending one to restore. I'm sending one that's going to restore. I'm sending one to restore, to reclaim it. <coughs> Moses was given the promise, but he, they, only got a, they only got a shadow of that, a shadow of the real thing. And you see that all the way through the tabernacle, the temple. David, the promise of the king that would reign forever. The prophet spoke of a king that was coming to reestablish the kingdom of God on earth. Wow. So throughout the Old Testament, it says, he's coming, he's coming, I'm sending one, I'm sending one. And God protected, he protected lives in a sense to bring the bloodline down through mankind so that, so that eventually when the time was right, when the time was fulfilled, when the when the situation in the earth and the time uh, of, that the Lord has established, he would send his only begotten son who was born, he was God, but he was born as what? A man. You understand that when God gave man the authority to rule in earth, the only one that could get that authority back was a man. Once God's committed himself, he's not going to back off. He's not wishy-washy. When he told Adam, I will give you, when he created man, he says, I am giving man authority in this earth. And it was lost by man. And so the only way to get it back was to get it back through a man. Except there was something different about this man. He was the very son of God. He was tempted in all points, just like we are, the same way we are. What he did in his earthly ministry here, he did through the power of the Holy Spirit and he did in obedience to the Father, not because he was deity. What he was doing was sharing the kingdom of God. He was sharing the kingdom of God. He was exemplifying the kingdom of God. He was demonstrating the kingdom of God all his time on earth. And when he was finally born, you know, there was a misconception about what it meant all the time through where God's promise of kings come and kings. There was a misconception when Jesus was born, most of the, uh, most of the Israelites and, and many of the other, uh, uh, much of the other population in the world thought that when you talked about the king, the Messiah that was coming, it was one that was going to set up an earthly kingdom here that would just literally step on the throne and rule. The disciples thought that for most of their life. The people, when Jesus came down the path on Palm Sunday, those people thought the king was getting ready to go down and establish his kingdom here in Jerusalem because that's what we've always been told. The king is coming to establish his kingdom again here on earth. But they missed part of it. They missed the redemption part. In order for man to be reestablished, sin had to be dealt with. Does that make sense? Sin had to be dealt with. And one man sinned and everything was lost. So one man had to come, take that sin upon himself, take the, our place, die in our place, shed his blood, and then 
what had been lost could be regained because man lost it. Man, the Son of God, has come back and gets it back. There's so much, there's so much in that. So very much in that. But um, you see, the kingdom of God was at the very center of, of Jesus' teaching. <clears throat> you know, there's only, there's only one or two references of the word church in the New Testament. <clears throat> First one we read last week where Jesus says, I will build my church. Ecclesia, the word. <laughs> That's all this mentioned. Did you know that it's rather interesting, I think, that, the, that when the word Christian was used, it was used as a derogatory term where the enemies are of Christ and where those who were trying to belittle the followers of Christ said, it says they call them Christians. The word Christian means little Christ. Interesting. They call them Christians. But the scripture never tells us that we're supposed to identify ourselves as a Christian. I'll get into that a little bit more next week. Hang on that just a little bit. No heresy. There's no heresy. I can promise you no heresy in that. But we're to be called. I think it's better for us to get away from the term of saying I'm a Christian and maybe use another term. I'm not saying do away with it. It's fine, whatever. But there's something. It's more than being a Christian. It was used as a drug. The Christians early day, they might have been called the people of the way. They might have been called the people of the resurrection. They were called followers of Christ. There were different terms that were used. But primarily the term used around the followers of Christ was the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't come. It, 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 nowhere does it say that Jesus came to establish the church until he said, I'll build my church upon the confession of who I am. So it's interesting when you see that in the four gospels, Kingdom is, is, is there some 125, 126 times. In the rest of the New Testament, it's about 30 times. In Mark chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible says, Now after John was put in prison, John the Baptist, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. What is the gospel? Matthew chapter 3, verse 23, it says that Jesus announced, proclaimed, preached the good news. He preached, get this, what, what gospel did he preach? He preached the gospel of the kingdom. I, I firmly believe in the gospel as the good news that Jesus Christ came to give his life for us, died in our place on the cross. I believe in the importance, significance, even in places of centrality of the cross. But Jesus didn't come preaching the cross. He came preaching the kingdom of God. The cross was the only way to enter into that kingdom. I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll take that a little bit further. <clears throat> we'll take a little bit further maybe next week. I would never belittle the cross. Ever, ever, ever. You know, Paul said, you know, Claim no nothing except the cross of Jesus Christ and crucified. But we want to take that dimension. We want to take that further. We want to take that further than the cross. Because things didn't end at the cross. I'll say that again because there's going to be a lot added to that statement later. Things didn't end at the cross. 
Okay, so uh, Matthew uh, three twenty three, Jesus preached the kingdom. What kingdom he preached? What 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 gospel? What gospel he preached? The gospel of the kingdom. Sermon on the Mount. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. When he started many of his parables, he said the kingdom of God is like this. And then he would go and tell the parable. He was preaching the kingdom. Of course, we said Jesus seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All things be added. Matthew 7, 21, he says, Not everyone who calls to me, Lord, calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. The disciples came to Jesus in Matthew 18, and they said, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him, and he put the child in among them, and he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, like this little child, you will never get in the kingdom of heaven. you got to humble yourself as a child if you're going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It takes that kind of humility. Acts 1-3, it says, Before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days, and here's what he did. This is after he died on the cross. This is after he rose from the dead. But before he ascended to heaven, while he was spending time with disciples and, and up to about four or 500 people that, that saw him, it says he appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days. And what did he talk about? It says he spoke about the kingdom. Now, if Jesus is going to take up all that time talking about the kingdom, it's because it has great significance for us as Christians. I'm a little concerned that we may have missed some of that. Acts chapter 28, verse 23, speaking of Paul, it says, and it says toward the end of his life, it says, from morning to evening, he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God. Oh, wait, it says that he claimed to know nothing except the cross of Jesus Christ and him crucified. He preached the gospel. This was the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ, dead, buried, resurrected. That's the gospel. In order to come to Christ, you must believe that. Absolutely. But that is the doorway into the kingdom. And once you are in the kingdom, then there are some things you can learn and some things that will happen in your life. That's where we're going to live next week or two. I wish we had time to get there today, but we don't. Uh, everyone smile real big and look at me. Number Four, we talked about the kingdom reclaimed, and this may sound similar, but it's different. Number four is kingdom restored. It was reclaimed and through Christ, but it was restored. The restoration would have no significance unless there was going to be some recipients. To restore the kingdom for what? Restore the kingdom for us and for us to fulfill God's will. Kingdom restored. Jesus came to restore the kingdom of God. He did this through giving his life for us on the cross. But he came to restore the kingdom of God. He became the door, the way for us to enter. John 14, 6 says he's a way, truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me, except through Jesus. Remember 2 Corinthians 5, 17? It says that Whoever comes to Christ is a new creation. All things passed away, all things become new. Oh. The light came on for some of you guys back there, I noticed. <laughs> Woo! I didn't have anything to do with that, I think, but yeah. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, the Bible says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness 
And what here says he rescued us from one kingdom, from the kingdom of darkness, and get this, and has transferred us. You know what it means to transfer, don't you? Moved, you moved to another place. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of the dear son. In other words, when you came to Christ, the door was open and God has already provided a way for you to move. He moves you from the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom where everything was lost. The, king, the, the kingdom where, there is, where there's uh, pain, where there's poverty and suffering. and where there's, You know, I'm not saying that everything is perfect in life today, even as you're attempting to walk out the kingdom living. We face some battles in our life. I'm just saying there's a lot of qualities of the kingdom of God that you and I are not experiencing. And it's because we don't realize that we've been transferred to it. We've already been transferred there, so we're supposed to live like it. Philippians 3.20 says, But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we're eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. We're citizens of heaven. We're citizens. It didn't say we will be citizens of heaven. Did it? It says we already are citizens of heaven. Now, before you get there, you live in the kingdom of God before you die and move to the kingdom of God or heaven. So things should be different than they are in this world. But because the Bible, it, uh, when Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, he, on the cross, he said, it's finished. It's finished. A different ideas as to what that means. But he had accomplished what God had sent him to do. You know what God accomplished, wanted him to do? To come and redeem man. Yes, redeem man. But redeeming man is the door that opens the way for him to establish his kingdom here on earth through the authority, through the faith of mankind, of believers, of all in Christ. And we become kids of the king, followers of the king, the kingdom comes here in this place as we learn how to live out the kingdom lifestyle. So there, uh, in this, we see that when Christ said it's finished, he's saying, hey, the kingdom's been restored. Hey, everything that was lost, I got back. Because he said, the Bible says that Jesus appeared to destroy the works of the devil and to make an open show of him, it was a resounding victory. Resounding. So he came to reclaim what was lost, and he came to proclaim God's rule and reign over the earth. And how does God do that? He does it through us. He does it through us. Salvation. God help us to, to, to learn more about what complete what the complete gospel is. Now, once you come to Christ, surrender your life to him, your sins are forgiven immediately. You're a child of God. Immediately. You make that from your heart immediately. You don't have to wait around. But once that happens, 
There's a reason why they call it the new birth. It's because you don't stop there. And yet so many Christians, once they got saved, just essentially stopped. They, they maybe started going to church more. They might have taken some position or responsibility in the church. They may have changed their lifestyle. But essentially, as far as experiencing and walking in the kingdom lifestyle of complete salvation, they missed it. They missed it. It wasn't because they were rebellious. It's just that they never got that revelation. They never saw that God has so much more for them than what they could ever, ever imagine. So much more. Now, let me close with this. You and I are designed and called to live in one kingdom while we are living in another. Where's your citizenship? USA? Okay, yeah. Humanly speaking, America. Thank God for it. Where's your citizenship? Give me your address, your 911 address. Where's your citizenship? The great state of Alabama? Where's your citizenship? In heaven. Your citizenship is already been reclaimed, restored for you. In other words, he says, you're still supposed to, fun- you're supposed to live and function like you're a part of God's kingdom rather than like you're a part of the earthly kingdom. Now, I know we live in the earth. I know that things happen every day. And Jesus, when he was praying for his disciples, he said, Father, Father, I'm praying for, I'm praying for the followers, I'm praying for my followers. They belong to you too. And he says, here's what he says. He says, you know, they're in the world but they're not of it. You know how you and I have, you know, you know what God wants to help us to do? He wants us to help us live in this world, but not be of it. Because we're citizens of another kingdom, which means you and I have different values. You and I have different ways that we receive things. You and I will experience things that are received through faith. You and I will learn to live according to how God's designed his kingdom. We must learn to live according to how God designed his kingdom. Uh, learn to live by his principles. So very important. So very important. Don't ever forget when the disciples came to Jesus because they're very curious. They probably watched Jesus pray several times. They were curious about, about this thing, about watching Jesus pray and then seeing the results that happened after he prayed. They said, Jesus, please teach us how to do that. I pray. How to do that. You know, he taught them more than how to pray. He taught them how to walk in the kingdom when he prayed, when he told them. He said, when you pray, and he said a lot of things I know in the Lord's Prayer, but he said, when you pray, pray this way. Say this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, holy, Holy is your name. Father, literally it says, as you pray, Father, kingdom come. Father, your will be done 
on earth as it already is done in heaven. Any sickness in heaven? Any poverty in heaven? Any fear in heaven? No. Now, don't, don't, take, this, don't take this wrong way in saying that, that people who are dealing with these things are, are walking kind of disobedience or sin in any way. We've all faced sicknesses. We've fought, faced things with death in our family. We've faced those things. God's been faithful all the way through, even we've had to walk through some of those things. I'm just saying there's a higher and better way that is supernatural that you and I can learn to experience and walk in if we will learn how to walk in his kingdom. Learn how to be a citizen in his kingdom while you're living here on the earth. And here's what happens. When you and I learn how to do that, then the characteristics of the kingdom of God began to be seen. They began to be seen in our life, in the way we talk, in maybe our behavior, maybe our attitude. It'll be more Christ-like because it'll be more like his kingdom. You know, it'll be more like that. And as you do that, you know what's going to happen? Signs and wonders will follow you. As you do that, you know what will happen? Your prayers will be answered because he... he promises you that you know how you'll know that because healings will take place and you you understand that the breakthrough comes when we learn how to walk in the fullness of the kingdom which comes about through the power of the holy spirit jesus said it's better for you it's jesus we wish you didn't have to go away we lost you once on the cross and now you you know you say you have to go jesus we shouldn't have to go away. And he says, it's better for you. It's better for you that I go. How could it be better? Because he was with them then. But he says, it's be better for you when I go because, because the Father will send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, and he will be in you, the kingdom of God, the authority of God, the power of God, in essence, the potential of that will be in you because the Holy Spirit's in you. All you must learn to do is to recognize that, walk it out in faith, and you'll begin to actually experience this around you. And here's the great thing about it, is when you and I learn to walk according to those principles, it not only will begin to change your life and your family, it'll begin to, it will open the door for you to have a tremendous impact on people around you, other people in your community, other people that you're able to come in contact with. And what's happening then through this church, through you out there, exemplifying the kingdom of God, experiencing the wonderful greatness, power of God, walking in his kingdom, people will take notice of that, not to glorify you, but to glorify the Father. If we follow the laws of the kingdom, we can expect to get it. If we follow the, the laws, the principles of the kingdom, then you and I can expect to get the benefits of that kingdom. What we start doing is we live from heaven to earth. 
Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus, when he ascended, sat at the right hand of the Father, which is the place of authority. He sat at the right hand of the Father. And then the scripture says that when we come to know him, that we are made to sit together with him in heavenly places. Now, as far as I know, none of you have been translated up to the right hand of the Father in body. None of you are standing by the throne right now or standing by Jesus. But you have. He says you are at the right hand, seated together with me, Jesus said, at the right hand of the Father. You're made to sit together with me. What does that mean? It means that as we walk in the kingdom of God, the very principles and power of that heavenly kingdom functions through our lives so that we begin to live from the life we live from heaven to earth. Because that's where we're that's, that's where we're living. Look, you should be able to pray effectively if you know who you are and where you are in the right position, position of authority, position of faith. <clears throat> One last word. Kingdom citizenship is about recognizing your place, and your rights through Christ. You're citizens of God's kingdom, and you learn to claim those rights so that you can fulfill God's kingdom's purpose here in the world. It's taking over again that which once was lost because of our sin and disobedience. Our kingdom faith is about claiming and living out the dominion mandate here on the earth and bringing glory to God Almighty, and establishing His kingdom around us. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth, whatever you bind on earth will be or is already bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. There is a heaven-earth connection that you have because you've been restored to the kingdom. Now, let's look to the Lord to help us to learn to live like it.